Hello, my rebels. I have good news for you today. I feel, I feel in good spirits because we have two free speech mini victories. They're sort of mini, but you know, two is almost a trend. Um, before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to our paywall. It's eight bucks a month, which is less than Netflix, or 80 bucks for the whole year if you pay in advance. It's pretty cheap, but we need the dough because we don't take a dime from the government. So that's actually what keeps us going. Please consider becoming a premium subscriber. Go to rebelnews.com and just click the subscribe button. You get the video version of these podcasts, which I like to think are worth it. We put a lot of effort into getting the visuals down pat, not just the audio. So that's rebelnews.com and eight bucks a month. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, liberal elites start to get worried about cancel culture. About 10 years too late, it's July 7th and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Cancel culture has gone mad. I've never seen it this bad in the West. It's a mania. It's a madness of crowds. The closest thing I've ever seen to it is photos from the struggle sessions and self-denunciations in Communist China and the Cultural Revolution under Mao Zedong. I don't know if you ever watched my noontime live stream show, 12 noon Eastern, but I found a copy of that old book that I once bought in Hong Kong called Red Color News Soldier. Dozens of photographs from the Chinese province of Heilongjiang during the Cultural Revolution. Show trials, struggle sessions, self-criticisms, as they called them. Just incredible. And when I look at it, I think, that's exactly what's happening now. I think of the know-nothing millennial scribblers at the National Post, some of whom had only been working there for a year, who tried to get Rex Murphy fired from their own newspaper for the sin of being a 73-year-old white man. Just a wild mob. Now, Rex Murphy survived that for now. But every day someone else falls, including, for maybe the first time I can remember, some leftists. Wendy Mesley, who was sacked at the CBC for saying the N-word repeatedly at the office. I find it hard to mourn for her, to be honest, given that her entire job description at the CBC was cancel culture. She was the inquisitor for any conservative who was foolish enough to go on a show. She accused anyone and everyone of being racist, including us here at Rebel News, by the way. You know, in the five and a half years I've worked at Rebel News, I have never heard the N-word spoken by anyone at the company. Not once, ever. Wendy Mesley was apparently throwing that word around like confetti at the CBC. Imagine her judging us. But the fact that she's been sacked, and other cultural fancy pants like Jessica Mulroney, daughter-in-law of Brian Mulroney, sacked from, I think it was CTV, shows that this is a tidal wave that will sweep away mighty ships, not just little boats like us. Tomorrow on my, moon, my noontime show, I'll take you through that picture book, Red Color News Soldier, and take your questions on the live chat. So please tune in. It's a free show. You don't even need the paywall. It's at 12 noon Eastern time tomorrow on YouTube. So things are getting bad. Uh, it's a form of madness. Uh, but look at this. Look at this. 
Harper's Magazine. That is an establishment liberal magazine. That's a magazine for the fancy people. They've come out against cancel culture. It's one thing for Rebel News or, I don't know, Breitbart.com to fight against it. Heck, we have to. We're targets of cancel culture and deplatforming, not only from left-wing mobs, but from tech companies too, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. But this is Harper's. They're as fancy and liberal and establishment as it gets. A letter on justice and open debate. All right, let's take a read. It starts with some introductory (coughs) throat clearing, I call it. Our cultural institutions are facing a moment of trial. Powerful protests for racial and social justice are leading to overdue demands for police reform, along with wider calls for greater equality and inclusion across our society, not least in higher education, journalism, philanthropy, and the arts. So they're proving they're woke and they care, and then they come to the word but, and as you know, whenever someone says the word but, you can ignore everything they said before the word but, I'd really like to empty the dishwasher now, but, you know, I'd really like to lend you money, but, I'd really like to help you move apartments next weekend, but, 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 but. So here's their but. But this needed reckoning has also intensified a new set of moral attitudes and political commitments that tend to weaken our norms of open debate and toleration of differences in favor of ideological conformity. Okay, good, I like that, but. That's a fancy way of saying people are afraid to speak now. It's been an interesting few months, but people are afraid to speak now. I'll read some more. As we applaud the first development, we also raise our voices against the second. Okay, so now that they've spoken out against the mob, they have to quickly prove their credentials again, just like they said, you know, we're liberal, we're anti-cop, blah, 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 and then they snuck in their belief on free speech. Now they have to immediately bolster their left-wing credentials by bashing Trump a bit as if he's the censor in America. Hey, that's fine. Whatever you need to get courage to take on the mob, if you need to scapegoat Donald Trump to rediscover your own belief in free speech, that's fine. Um, That's a small price to pay compared to the intellectual alternative. The forces of illiberalism are gaining strength throughout the world and have a powerful ally in Donald Trump who represents the real threat to democracy, (laughs) really? Is this the Russia collusion thing again, or what? I don't know, we're never quite told. But hey, it's fine, it's okay. These are leftists and liberals, they need their safe things near them, like a security blanket, like Linus from that Peanuts cartoon. It's a bit childish to poke at Trump here, but it's okay. They have to bash Trump like you and I have to breathe. Don't worry too much about it because they Throw in the word but again. I want to mow the lawn today, but. Trump is bad, but resistance must not be allowed to harden into its own brand of dogma or coercion, which right-wing demagogues are already exploiting. The democratic inclusion we want can be achieved only if we speak out against the intolerant climate that has set in on all sides. (laughs) On all sides, eh? Again, not sure how right-wing demagogues are exploiting being canceled and silenced and deplatformed. How exactly? Again, who cares? Let them say that. If they have to tell themselves that both sides censor, who cares? Baby steps, right? This is a breakthrough for them. The free exchange of information ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted. Okay, good. They're getting braver, getting braver. So they're 
dropping anti-Trump slogans every other sentence. Now to stay brave, that is okay. Now they use the word while instead of but. Same thing, same thing. I like it. While we have come to expect this on the radical right, censoriousness is also spreading more widely in our culture. An intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, and the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues into a blinding moral certainty. Hey, can, can you tell me the last time a conservative censored anyone? Anytime a conservative mob rioted to protest anything? A conservative club on, on a university blocking a liberal or leftist speaker ever? A conservative somehow got a liberal journalist fired from a liberal magazine for being too liberal? I can't either. I mean, about 50 years ago, there was still some censorship of pornography and obscenity. And some of that did come from the religious right, it's true. Or at least the rhetoric did. I don't think the religious right ever banned anything. Though I seem to recall it was Tipper Gore, Al Gore's former wife, who led the charge against swear words in pop music. She's a Democrat, of course. Now, I'm not for censorship, but I do agree that the constant denigration of women as sexual objects in rap music, for example, well, that's seeped into the larger culture. I think it's had a coarsening effect on all of society, especially on young people. You, you don't have to be a censor to notice that. Okay, back to the statement today. We uphold the value of robust and even caustic counter-speech from all quarters. But it is now all too common to hear calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought. More troubling still, institutional leaders in a spirit of panicked damage control are delivering hasty and disproportionate punishments instead of reconsidered reforms. Kind of considered reforms. Editors are fired for running controversial pieces. I'll come back to that. Books withdrawn for alleged inauthenticity. Journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. Professors are investigated for quoting works of literature in class. A researcher is fired for circulating a peer-reviewed academic study. And the heads of organizations are ousted for what are sometimes just clumsy mistakes. Whatever the arguments around each particular incident, the result has been to steadily narrow the boundaries of what, we, what can be said without the threat of reprisal. We are already paying the price in greater risk aversion among writers, artists, and journalists who fear for their livelihoods if they depart from the consensus or even lack sufficient zeal in agreement. Hey, that's pretty good stuff. And they got all that out without another impeach Trump commercial. This isn't bad. Okay, last paragraph. This stifling atmosphere will ultimately harm the most vital causes of our time. The restriction of debate, whether by a repressive government or an intolerant society, invariably hurts those who lack power and makes everyone less capable of democratic participation. <clears throat> the way to defeat bad ideas is by exposure, argument, and persuasion, not by trying to silence or wish them away. We refuse any false choice between justice and freedom which cannot exist without each other. As writers, we need a culture that leaves us room for experimentation, risk-taking, and even mistakes. We need to preserve the possibility of good-faith disagreement without dire professional consequences. If we won't defend the very thing on which our work depends, we shouldn't expect the public or the state to defend it for us. Hey, that's good. I can't quarrel with that. Free speech is indeed a tool for the powerless. People who have power don't actually need free speech. They already control things. They're incumbents. They have inertia. They're in. People on the outside with no money or power, they only have speech and their ideas. Think of all the liberal causes over the years, from the suffragettes a century ago to black civil rights 50 years ago to gay rights. When each cause was new, 
they were deemed offensive ideas, and those offensive ideas were rejected by the establishment. Speech was the great equalizer for them. How perverse that now elements of those same leftist causes censor their own opponents now that they are in Black Lives Matter, radical feminism, actually these days, transgenderism. I think that's the most censorious ideology in the world today, more strict even than radical Islam. So kudos to the people who drafted this letter and to those who signed it. I actually know some of the names personally. I know more of them by reputation. It's an uneven list. Some people are intellectual titans, I'd say. Some seem a bit out of place. Some are scholars, some are authors, novelists, writers of fiction. I saw a Hollywood agent on there. Some are nonfiction news people. I see Margaret Atwood is on there. David Brooks, the boring pundit, but good for him. There's a former ambassador on there. I see Michelle Goldberg is on there. That's interesting. She's a New York Times columnist. Um, you know, they fired their editorial page editor just a few weeks ago for running an op-ed by a U.S. senator who opposed the Black Lives Matter riots a bit too firmly for the time. Seriously, a sitting U.S. senator writes a column. I mean, agree with it or disagree with it, whatever. But they literally fired the editor. I, I know that headline says he resigned. Don't be naive. They fired him for letting a different point of view appear in their opinion pages where you're supposed to have an opinion. Maybe Michelle Goldberg, who was so brave in Harper's Magazine, maybe she can a bit, be a bit braver at the New York Times where she works. I see Wynton Marsalis, the musician, is on there. That's a good thing. No one is more conformist than the music business. What was about dissent and dispute in the 60s is now about conformity totally. I, I'm sure someone will call him a racist for signing this. I see J.K. Rowling is on there. Her own protégés denounced her for daring to say that men who say they're women are not actually women. I mean, this nobody who would be a nobody were it not for Rowling's books he denounced her. He's a man denouncing her. Uh, her own agency. I mean, she has made her agent tens of millions of dollars, maybe a hundred million dollars. They still denounced her for saying women are women and men are men. And um, I mean, J.K. Rowling is very nice to gay people and transgender people. She's very progressive, but she just insists that no, transgender women are not biological women. And for that, they fired her. She made them millionaires. They fired her, but good for her for not bending the knee. I'm pleased that Salman Rushdie signed this too. He was the first prominent Western victim of Islamist censorship, a fatwa against him more than 30 years ago for writing a novel that mocked Mohammed. The UK back then stood up for him, protected him, gave him 24-7 security, but <laughs> those days are done. Today, the UK enforces fatwas against what they call Islamophobia. I like what he says about the word but when it comes to free speech. Remember this. And now, the moment somebody says, yes, I believe in free speech, but I stop listening. Mm. No. <laughs> you know, I believe in free speech, but people should behave themselves. Mm -hmm. I believe in free speech, but we shouldn't upset anybody. I believe in free speech, but let's not go too far. The point about it is the moment you limit free speech, it's not free speech. Mm -hmm. The point about it is that it's free. I like that, the but brigade. So there are some good people on the list, and there are some weird posers. Liars, even, I think. This guy, Jeet here, who used to work at the National Post, overlapped with my tour of duty there years ago. 
he signed this letter, which is weird, because he's actually a cancel culture guy. Just a few weeks ago, he said this. He wrote, I'm pretty sure everyone doesn't agree on that, and there are people obsessed with a largely fictitious cancel culture who ignore real problems. Or, or he said this in November. He said, kind of shows that cancel culture isn't a thing, no? And he said this in December. He said, it's kind of amazing that people believe cancel culture is real. And he said this, you can criticize cancel culture, social justice warriors, political correctness, etc., all you want. But the fact remains that a much bigger problem is that the mainstream media is constantly whitewashing bigots and normalizing bigotry. Oh my God, yeah. I'm not sure what this guy's doing on the list. He's actually a race hustler, censor in his own right. Oh well, I mean, who cares? If a, if a weird opportunist is willing to sign a bold letter like this, maybe that's an indication that it's safer than we think to stand up for freedom. Here's hoping. Hey, stay with us. I've got some good news on the freedom front next. Welcome back. Well, I was sitting at my desk and I, I sometimes procrastinate by looking at Twitter. And by sometimes, I mean, well, let's be honest, over a hundred thousand times since I joined Twitter, apparently. And, uh, but it's my source of news, breaking news. And look what I just saw out of the blue, a series of tweets from our friend Candace Malcolm. Let me just read the first one here. I am excited to announce a new initiative, the Independent Press Gallery of Canada. It's open to all independent journalists and outlets, regardless of where you land on the political spectrum. Find out more here. And there's a link, and there's more tweets, but I'm just gonna read one more. I was so excited by this. The purpose of this organization is to provide an alternative to the stale and closed-minded parliamentary press gallery. Ain't that the truth? As you may know, I've been trying to get True North's journalists recognized accredited in Ottawa for months and have faced ridiculous and unreasonable barriers. Okay, I'll just read one more because it's so good. I've spoken to several other independent journalists and smaller outlets who've also been excluded and bullied by the PPG, that's Parliamentary Press Gallery. Many indie or smaller outlets don't have the same resources as True North, i.e. the ability to go to court as we did and won during the last election. Okay, I'll just read one more. I tell you, I, this put me in such a good mood when I saw this today. Uh, freedom of the press and independent journalism are sacrosanct in a free and democratic society. While the government uh, tries to create barriers and regulate our profession, we need to promote and encourage a culture of free inquiry and thought in Canada in order to preserve these values. Okay, I'll, I'll read the last one. I, I can't tell you how happy I am. That is why today I am pleased to be announcing the launch of the Independent Press Gallery of Canada. We are now accepting applications for membership and sending out membership cards. Laminated, I'm sure. Our first event will be in late July. Details to come apply today. And I happen to know that one of our reporters was literally the second person in the country to get his application in. There's probably a gold rush on. Imagine that, an actual independent press gallery. I was joking about the laminator. I'll tell you the punchline for that joke later. Joining me now is my friend and my ally and the leader of the independent press gallery, the author of those tweets, Candace Malcolm from True North. Candace, 
I got to tell you, there's a lot of bad news out there when it comes to cancel culture and censorship, and you can get down on it, but when I saw the, those tweets from you today, I tell you, I felt hopeful. I felt hopeful again, and I felt good, and I, I just thought, maybe we can do this. Maybe there's enough of us like-minded. We're, all our journalists are gonna, we're gonna join. I know Keen was the second person in the whole world to register. Signing me up. <laughs> well, we're excited and, and absolutely we're gonna sign up, uh, you and your journalists, Ezra. I think the only reason Kean was second was because Andrew Lawton beat him to the punch in applying, uh, but that's because I, you know, I gave him a heads up <laughs> about it before I sent those tweets out. Uh, but you know, we, we, we're really excited as well, Ezra. You, you know, uh, in the in the fall when 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 we teamed up to go to court and to sue the federal government in order to allow us into those uh, debates that were run by the government and you know Trudeau was trying to close the door to people who weren't friendly to his ideology. It was great to be able to team up with like-minded organization. And I know we're not the only two you know, independent journalist organizations in Canada. There are so many others who have spoken to, who have dealt with, who have heard from, who also face these barriers, who can't get their journalists into the parliamentary press gallery. It's sort of an antiquated idea that the government runs the club of journalists, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't really make sense, especially in this modern age of, of independent outlets and the ability, like we talked about uh, last week on your show, you know, there's so many journalists out there, so many outlets that have the ability to bypass their traditional distribution streams and reach Canadians directly. So why do we have to go through the government in order to get accredited and in order to be considered journalists? Well, we shouldn't. And that's why we're starting this. We're, we're trying to create a culture, really foster uh, an environment in Canada of freedom of the press and independence of the press. And I'm so glad that you're on board and, and so excited for the future of this organization. Well, I, I, it made my day. And you know what was so important? I read all your tweets. I, I was only going to read one, but they were all so good. Each one of them had an important point. And you said that anyone on the entire political spectrum, you don't have to be right wing or left wing. You're just a journalist. And if you're independent journalist, you're welcome. That's so important because you and I, I think we have a similar worldview. I think I may be like 1% more conservative than you, whatever, it doesn't even matter. But it would be great if independent liberals and, and progressives and, and people who don't even see themselves as right or left wing, like let there be anyone publishing their point of view. Why shouldn't they be part of a press gallery too? I find that hopeful. And hopefully, we, hopefully there can be people like that, liberals, who still believe in freedom. Well, I think there are, Ezra. I think that out there, you know, we, we sort of get marginalized and, and you know, the establishment people try to write us off as being you know, too conservative or right wing or whatever. But I, I know that there are other people who are troubled by the Trudeau government's sort of increasing involvement in the press by that report that came out earlier this year that, that made all these recommendations to regulate and license journalists. The idea that the parliamentary press gallery is so exclusive. It isn't just to conservative outlets, although we feel the brunt of it, but, but, but a lot of freelancers can't get in as well. So, uh, you know, I think it's so important. And I really do hope that journalists from across the political spectrum right now, I'm still working on reaching out and recruiting people. But, you know, the board members are going to include journalists from across the spectrum, not just conservatives, but hopefully liberals and NDP people as well. And same with journalist outlets. I, I would be happy to accept applications from, you know, the TIE or Canada land should they apply. And I hope they will, because really the point of this organization, Ezra, is to promote and again, foster and celebrate independent journalism. You're right that journalism in itself isn't ideological, but talking about this 
sort of editorial position of the outlets. It really, it doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, what, what, where you are. Obviously, you know, there are limits. I'm, I'm not going to say that the uh, independent press gallery is open to people who like promote violence or something. If Antifa applies, I'll probably say no, <laughs> just, just as a heads up. But, you know, for as, as far as, as, as true journalists who are, are trying to report and, and, and do journalism, absolutely, it's open to everyone. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Canada land. I have deep ideological disagreements, deep editorial disagreements with them. But I have to acknowledge they've made a go of it, I think, without government money. They just got a $1 million three-year investment from some tech guy in Vancouver. To me, you know, he's a man of the left, Jesse Brown in Canada land, but he's making a go of it. And, and instead of being marginalized by the fancy pants, he, you know, that would be someone on the left who should join the independent press gallery. Now, I want to ask you what the word independent means. I mean, I, I, I went through the website, but sort of quickly. Um, there's an emphasis on being independent from government. I think being a government journalist is an oxymoron. I mean, how can you be, oh, it's like being a government punk rock band. If you're part of the government, you can't really be punk rock. So is there any rule about taking government dough? Like, and I'm not trying to put you in a tough spot here. I bet you've thought of this already. Let's say if, um, oh, I don't know, Rosemary Barton of the CBC applied. On the one hand, she is a journalist, and, and I suppose inclusion and ought to say, well, let her in. And on the other hand, she does work for a state broadcaster. Uh, what would you say to a CBC reporter? And what would you say to China Daily? That's a state-owned propaganda broadcaster run by the Communist Party of China. They're actually a member of the parliamentary press gallery that won't let you and me in. Now, I'm not trying to grill you here. I'm just curious about your thinking, and I'm sure I'll be persuaded either way. Well, no, these are really good questions. And, you know, this is a new organization. I just launched it today, but I have given it a little bit of thought, Ezra. And basically where I come down on this is there are two general principles that we ask members to abide by. First are, is something called the Bordeaux principles, which is just a general journalistic ethics that have been uh, developed by a broader international federation of journalism in a, in, a in, a, in a accompaniment with the United Nations. So it's just very basic journalistic principles. So we ask that journalists abide to that and pledge to uphold those those journalistic standards and you know it's it's pretty basic stuff like you know you, you don't take money for stories you don't you don't pay sources all that kind of stuff um, but, but but then the other principle which is is exactly right what you're talking about uh, the word independence we ask that journalists do not take funding from the government because it's my belief that as soon as a, as a, as a journalist becomes an employee of the state or gets paid by the state or gets subsidized by the state they're no longer truly independent in the same way as those Bordeaux principles apply. So you can't be taking money from Trudeau while also be the one that's pledged to hold him accountable. I, I don't think that those two uh, principles can be squared. So, so, so I would say no to membership for state-run organizations like the CBC. However, you know, we're going to be hosting all kinds of events. We're going to be doing press conferences and facilitating all kinds of media events, and, and our events will be open. So, 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 so I, I, w I wouldn't want uh, government employees to be members, but I think that they should still be able to 
participate um, in our events, which is, you know, completely the opposite of the parliamentary press gallery, who, you know, you have to be a member even just to walk in the door. So we, we still want to maintain openness and, and be inclusive and, and, you know, really welcome people. And hey, if Rosemary Barton ever wants to leave the CBC and do her own initiative, maybe join an independent firm or, or strike on our strike out on her own, uh, I'd be happy to uh, reconsider and, and consider her membership, Ezra. Yeah. You know, um, I think it would be neat uh, just to get to know the other independent journalists in the country. And it would be neat if there was a place uh, either digitally where they could hang out or like you say, events. Um, I was talking the other day with Cindy Gu. She's the publisher of Epoch Times. Uh, which is one of my favorite newspapers. And that made me think, well, there's even foreign language like the ethnic press. Uh, like in, th there's a lot of Chinese language uh, news media in Canada. Some are pro-communist, some are very much pro-democracy. Wouldn't that be great to have some democracy-oriented ethnic press? I, I don't regard Epoch Times as ethnic press. It's, you know, people of all backgrounds work there and it's in, in the English language. But wouldn't it be neat if there was all sorts of people that we don't even really know about, but the one thing we had in common was we believed in independent journalism. I hope this really grows. Uh, I'm not asking for you to reveal any confidences, but uh, before we turn the camera on, you said you, you had other editors and publishers reach out to you proactively before you could even call them. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I had a bunch of emails sent out trying to, again, recruit members and recruit uh, board members and stuff like that. And as soon as I sent out those tweets, which was really just sort of a soft launch because we're going to be doing a big event at the end of July, and that will be sort of the main launch. But the soft launch through the tweets, I, I was already getting DMs and emails and texts of, of, of other kind of you know professional colleagues and people in the media asking questions and, and sort of applauding the effort. So I, I, think, I think that there's definitely a demand for this, Ezra. There are a lot of people who, who understand the, the sort of changing landscape and see the need for this, especially just given all of the things that Trudeau is doing. So we're having a great response so far. I would love to branch out to some of those uh, outlets that you mentioned. I'm a big fan of the Epoch Times, and I thought that that CBC attack piece against them earlier this summer was horrendous, and it made me want to cheer for them all the more. And, you know, if there are other language, foreign language, uh, ethnic medias are called sometimes in Canada that want to join, uh, more than happy to. That the whole idea is to have this community of journalists that we can, you know, potentially maybe down the road we'll do award shows and 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 journalism awards and and all that kind of stuff. I, I can envision doing a lot of things together and also internships, getting young people interested in independent journalism and giving them career advice and and mentoring opportunities and, and internships and all that kind of stuff. I think that the possibilities really are endless. The Parliamentary Press Gallery has really squandered an opportunity and. Really, it's a closed-door organization, very Ottawa-centric, whereas, you know, this is for all of Canada and f for all different kinds of journalists, not just the, the very strict, rigid ones that, that the PPG uh, says, says that you have to be in order to be part of their club. So I think there's a lot of potential. I'm really excited about it, Ezra. You know, that's, I love the idea of an awards show um, and, and students. I remember six years ago, I had a when I was still at Sun News, we had a student journalism conference. We brought in kids from across the country. They were just students, but there's a lot of young people who want to be journalists, and they they get sucked into the government journalism group think, and sometimes you never sort of see them again. If there was another way for, I, it sounds very exciting. I got I got so many questions, but I, I don't want to, and I know you're still sort of figuring these things out. 
But I know our viewers are going to be thinking this. So again, if you don't have the answer just yet, I forgive you, given that you just launched this thing a few hours ago. But maybe something to think about is this. I bet that a number of our viewers are saying, well, I'm not a journalist myself, and I don't really plan to be, but I want to support this. Can there be some either, um, I don't know. I mean, would you be open just to a layman who wasn't a practicing journalist who would say, well, I want to support it maybe with a, a donation or even be like an affiliate member. I just want to give my moral support, but I want to go beyond just sort of quietly rooting for them. Like, I bet there's some people out there who would say, oh, well, if you guys are going to have a journalism contest, I'll chip in a hundred bucks and maybe have a little bit of a cash prize there because the left sure does that. Or, or maybe if someone said, well, um, I, I'd like to get involved if you're hiring student interns, I don't know. I, I guess I'm saying I bet there's people watching who aren't professional journalists who want to help you anyways. So something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think these are the kind of things that we can help fill in the gaps and we'll sort of learn as we go. I've never obviously launched an independent press gallery before. So I still, again, thinking things through, but I, I think you're right. I think that we have to expand it uh, beyond just journalism because a lot of the comments that I was getting on social media were you know, people applauding and asking if, if they could make donations as well. So I think, I think that that's something that we're going to have to think about and potentially open up. You know, maybe we can do a big awards gala where we give awards and, and we invite the public and, and they can come and watch and, and participate as well. And again, the idea is to have an open community, not not a closed door thing like the Parliamentary Press Gallery. So, so we'll, we'll work on it and I'll have an answer next time we talk. Yeah, well. and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to be lobbying these things at you. I just, my mind is racing of all the things. I mean, I'll just throw one more at you. I remember last October when you guys at True North and, and we guys here at The Rebel both went to court, the federal court, on an emergency basis because Trudeau kept both of our reporters out of, uh, out of the debates. Well, wouldn't it be neat if the independent press gallery would be a legal intervener? Again, I'm just brainstorming here. Look at me. Uh, I just want to go a million miles an hour. But we, I felt alone in that court. I mean, I wasn't alone. We were there with you guys. Uh, and, but it, it was still pretty quiet in there. There was no group there. But wouldn't it be neat if they, if we had maybe a free speech uh, committee, and maybe occasionally, if there was some case of censorship, that the independent press gallery itself would go to court as an intervener, or just to, so it wasn't just small. And this is one of your tweets also. Like you and I managed to muster some crowdfunded donations to fight, but there's individual reporters out there. There's no way. I mean, we spent 18 grand in court that day and the, and the days leading up to There's no way an ordinary reporter is going to come up with 18 grand for a day in court. Hey, I'm just brainstorming, don't mind me, and I'm not trying to give you work, but holy cow, is there a lot of work to be done here. And we, all our journalists I know, we're going to want to join, and uh, I think it's going to be great. Well, thank you, Ezra. And absolutely, that was part of the idea behind this. When when we went to court, I recognized that we're in a fortunate situation, True North. You know, we, we crowdfund, we have a fairly big audience, well-connected and that kind of thing. And we had the resources to go to court. But, you know, if you're just a, a independent person, a freelancer, someone who's doing really good investigative work, and you get you come up to one of these barriers, it might just be enough to sort of crush your spirit and get, get you to go home and, and not pursue what you're looking for. So I definitely think that the idea behind 
the independent press gallery is that there's strength in numbers if we can create a large enough community of journalists demanding access to the government, demanding that we be part of these debates and be part of these briefings. You know, you wouldn't see lone Kean Bexty getting pulled off by a RCMP thug outside of the prime minister's residence. If there was 10 journalists and the presence of the independent press gallery there, you know, again, there are strengths in numbers. So the idea is that we're stronger together. And I think that that that, that definitely is part of the purpose of this organization. And we're going to build up to that and, and be there for other journalists who, who go through that. So hopefully, uh, you know, what happened to Key in that day uh, doesn't happen again. And, and again, we, we're, we have a force to push back against that kind of bullying that does unfortunately happen too often in Canada. Well, that's exciting. Listen, I, I'm going to let you go. Otherwise, I'll keep you here all day just peppering you with questions and suggestions. And I'm like a puppy, just too excited. I'm wagging my tail because I'm so <laughs> excited about the independent press gallery. And the website is easy to remember. It's independentpressgallery.ca, right? That's right. All right. Well, Candace, you made my day. I wish you good luck. And I don't even think you need luck because you're going to have so many supporters and finally people have a place to go if they want to be independent journalists and we're going to sign up all our talent we're all going to join and i hope many others do and you know what it wouldn't shock me if you and i look back a couple years from now and we say huh i remember when the independent press gallery just started candace and and we had application number two and i it wouldn't shock me if you have 50 or more members a year from now. 50, that's my prediction, 50 members in the IPG one year from now. Let's check if I'm right in a year. <laughs> All right, Ezra, sounds great. Take care, my friend, good luck. All right, thank you. All right, there you have it, Candace Malcolm. Normally, I just say she's the founder of True North, but today, she's also the founder and the president of the Independent Press Gallery. Stay with us for more. Welcome back on my monologue last night. William writes, Funny how the virus can tell the difference between evil sunbathers and virtuous Black Lives Matter rioters. Yeah, um, I think you're so right on that. Uh, in the media, politicians, um, I think that politicians have actually turned the mask into a symbol of your political stripe because they choose to say it's necessary only when it suits them. Not necessary for Black Lives Matter rallies, necessary for Trump rallies. They've sort of turned it into, if you're wearing a mask, it's a sign you're a conformist leftist. If you're not wearing a mask, it's a sign that you're an independent free person. But I think that's inevitable given how political most of these public health uh, officials are. Henry writes, I live next door to a park in Vancouver, BC. Every day, parents and children are running wild. The park is the fullest I have ever seen. No one has a problem with that. I absolutely believe that. And the thing is, the more things you cut off, the crowder, the crowded-er everything else gets. Um, but people's own actions shows that they're, they're not really believing uh, the public health theater. You know, we call airport security security theater in the 19 years that we've had uh, the, trans the TSA in the States are cats up here. They've never caught a terrorist in 19 years. It's security theater. What we're seeing 
now is public health theater. The pandemic's over, people. On my interview with Kurt Schlichter on his new book, Ron writes, Great to see Kurt again. Love his passionate rants. Oh, he gets so revved up. He starts calm and cool, and then he just starts punching, punching. I think he's a good egg, and I was, it was great to see him again. And that looks like a great book, and he's published by Regnery, which is a pretty top-notch title. I think that's going to do very well. It's nice to see a pro-Trump book. There's going to be about 200 anti-Trump books. I just know it. Anyways, that's the show for today. I, um, I thought there was two pieces of good news today. Number one was that uh, some fancy people signed a pro-free speech letter. Wh how often do you see that? And there was even a couple Canadians on it. And number two, Candace and the Independent free, uh, sorry, uh, Press Gallery. That's some good news that's really tangible here in Canada. So maybe I'm a little more upbeat than I normally am. Thanks for watching today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.